Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle, powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net for this and many other great podcasts related to Batman, the Dark Knight, and his world. This week, we are going to be covering the episode, The Red Hood. This is Josh, and joining me is... This is Donovan. Here I thought we were on autopilot and someone other than Josh was leading us. Uh, this is Stella. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, because you're just like, hey, we're here. This week, you know, we had another wild, crazy time in Gotham. We're introduced to the Red Hood gang, which is just a regular gang of, you know, hoods. Who One of them happens to take a Red Hood with him because, you know, for a little bit of showmanship, but... Due to a series of events like a nervous security guard, you know, missing with bullets and the guy wearing the red hood getting, you know, a little overconfident, the criminals are proven to be a superstitious, cowardly lot when they think that the red hood, like, grants them magical powers and the hoods start killing each other, you know, and taking the red hood from its previous wearer and, you know, they wanted to do things like get back together with their girlfriends so Gordon is trying to track down this gang, this time with Bullock, because he's been teaming up with Lee for the last few episodes. Meanwhile, Alfred's old buddy from the regiment comes to visit. He's a recovering alcoholic, but apparently he has nefarious things up his sleeves, and apparently he has nefarious knives up Alfred's sleeves oh, or dear. Alfred's chest. Yeah, dun, no, dun, oh, dear. oh, dear, indeed. Yeah, Alfred's like bleeding down the floor. And in Master Bruce, call the police. First, tell me the names of the other hoods. Then I'll call 911. I might be confusing two different scenes from I the series. I think you are. Yeah, I think I am. Uh, meanwhile, uh, <laughs> we the Barbara Keen plot is only one scene, and it's her, you know, giving her clothes to various orphans and taking a oh, creepy maternal interest in Selena before Selena, you know, tells her off, you know, if so factly. And the most talked about thing of this episode was the fish plot where she continues to be the luckiest prisoner in the world as they give her a spa treatment you know a shower and new clothes but she doesn't have too much time to get comfortable because to show that she controls herself and nobody else just a spoonful of sugar that's (laughs) just a spoonful of eyeball uh fish spoons out her own eye and destroys it so that the doll easy. maker can't have it. So that was this week's episode of Gotham. What did we think of it, fellas and non-fellas? We got back to better quality episode. I'm not sure why it's like that. I, I think perhaps it goes to what Josh said multiple times uh, in the previous episodes that, you know, this story needs to go someplace because I think all of these stories were certainly on a slow burn. And all of a sudden, this one had many actions. And they certain, certainly weren't the endpoints of any of the stories by any means. But just a, a really big catalyst, I think, to, to push forward many uh, different storylines. So, I, you know, the Bruce Wayne storyline, I think that pushed forward. And, and we also see uh, just the the, the corruptible 
uh, or just like the corrupt nature, not corruptible, they're already corrupt, of the whole board. That was my question is whether everyone was corrupt. And it seems like it since they were all viewing that thing. Fish, which that whole thing just made me nervous because I thought that she was a little too, um, (sighs) I think high on herself that she would be in no danger at all and I think there were a couple times that she realized that she was in a bad position especially with you know the the the, the nurses uh, behind her in the straitjacket. I thought oh man you're getting yourself into a bad situation and I, I think that previously you know we had these these uh the arc with the scarecrow and and i thought you know you probably could have squished that into one and i think this was a good story that was just a one one issue if you will a uh, story and and i think that it moved along quickly but it wasn't too quick and i i thought it was it was fun you know in a certain way and it was it was great to get rid of leslie for us you know and get back to our buddy cops uh, you know, Harvey and and Jim. So overall, I thought it was much better than the previous two episodes that we have had and uh, just moved at a nice clip but not too fast and, again, pushing along storylines that needed to be pushed forward. Um, I'm not sure how much I have to say about this episode. It was definitely better than last uh, week's episode by, by, a, by metric tons of, a, of an amount. Um, it wasn't bad. I didn't think it was bad. It was, I suppose, eventful if the whole fish stallmaker plot goes anywhere. Um, I thought it was okay. I, I, I'm not I, again. I'm, I'm really not sure how much I have to say about it because certain things did happen, and I had kind of varying degrees of uh, reaction to them. I guess I'm most interested in the whole, you know, uh, will Alfred survive? How will Alfred survive from getting stabbed in the chest? Kind of thing. But um, we can talk it out as we go through. But um, it was okay. I, I don't think I don't think it was, it was like really really great. But it wasn't it wasn't as uh, as just morbidly bad as it was last week. I enjoyed this a lot more than last week. Um, I'm back to watching at the gym again, which I was last week. So I think I'm like at least two in a row there. If not, uh, yeah, it would be two in a row at this point. So, but this didn't have, you know, all the head smacking moments, like, you know, the bloodhound snake and, uh, what else happened last week that was really horrible? Like the random blind fortune. The teller. hat deals in the McCoys with the Grayson family. Oh gosh! Yeah. By the way, um, we didn't mention this last week, but I did find out that the guy who played the Joker's father, the blind fortune teller. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad, um, he's the old man in the wheelchair that always rings the bell. He was like a big character on that show, who had an explosive ending. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I saw the honest shows of that. So I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this week, it, and it was good to kind of take a break, as I indicated in the recap, from the Lee stuff, like Stella said, because it it was at the expense of Bullock. And we've explored the whole Lee-Gordon relationship for the past, like, dozen episodes. I could have done without Bullock once again saying, so, you and the nurse, am I right? This is our first conversation about this, am I right? And not, like, the last five episodes. Obviously, you know, the big moment from the episode that everyone was talking about on, like, Facebook and, you know, everywhere was uh, Fish gouging her eye out. So, um, you know, moving from our general thoughts to our more specific thoughts about different plot lines, I think we should hit up the Fish thing first because that is the that is the big takeaway from the episode. That's going to be, like, you know, um, the show Friends, when it was on, like, they didn't have, like, episode names. Their episode names were called, like... You know, the one with the, you know, runaway wedding, the one where, you know, Joey cries, like 
they were all called that. And like, this is going to be the episode that's like pretty much known as the one where fish loses her eye. So when that moment happened, you know, how did you both feel? That sure was a fisheye point of view. Wait, um, well, it's funny because like um, I didn't see this when it first aired. I was I had to kind of wait till I got off. Excuse me, got off work to catch it online. And um, Josh said to stay off of social media because Fish says something crazy that she can never come up, come back from. And I kind of like the way he was talking. He was being kind of like you know vague in his references. I thought that she she might have been dead. Maybe that was me hoping too much. But uh, I thought she would either was was dead or like I don't know turned out to be like the killer of the Waynes or something. Um, so. <laughs> Hand over your pearls, or nobody gets hurt. <laughs> no one must know that I I am Joe Chill secretly. <laughs> but um, so yeah. you figured it out. <laughs> I, I see where we got that from. <laughs> um, so when when uh, she was put in a position where like, okay, I, I, honestly, I'm confused. My feelings are of, of befuddlement because. I understand that, like, they said either we can, you know, take your eyes now. I don't know why they want her eyes specifically. Like, we can take your eyes now or kill you and take them later. And she's like, you know, but you forgot. And then she, like, t- takes out, you know, her uh, her cereal spoon from nowhere and just scoops it out instantly. Um, I, so and then she, just, she destroys the eyes. So I guess, like, you know, that's leverage against them. But, like, couldn't they just, like, you know, I guess they would need two. Uh, they would need a pair of eyes, not just not just one eye to work. So that that precludes them from killing her and taking her their, her eye anyway, but as 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 we can see, like the doll maker just takes whatever human parts he needs. So I was cons- I was kind of confused as like you know exactly what leverage does she have besides just you know making sure they don't take one eye. They can still kill her if if she provides no if if she took away what they needed from her, you know why why don't they just kill her? So I'm I'm kind of confused as like you know what's happening as of now. Can someone explain it for me? Um, I, I have some like it, it took me a little while to realize what was happening in that scene because at first my reaction was just like fir- first I was angry because like last week we were talking about how she's a prisoner and she needs to remember that she's a prisoner and the guards need to remember that she was a prisoner and here like they were here have a nice shower and new clothes and everything and I'm like yeah this I is really ridic- don't like that this is ridiculous but then like. The next scene, you know, halfway through it, he, you know, when they take out the straitjacket and they're like, we can just, you know, kill everyone down there. You know, those people are expendable and kill you. I was like, yes, finally, like, you know, he finally gets it. And then when she took her eye out and then destroyed it, I was really, really more shocked than anything else. And I, I sent text to both of you, and like I said to Stella, like Fish just did something really questionable, and Stella's reply was like, "Well, that's everything she does." I said, "You'll see." And I She's was not already. Barbara Keen. I don't know if Barbara Keen would do this. Like maybe if like there was booze involved or some. Oh, that's mean. That's mean. <laughs> that was not. She's a, she's she's a she's a bad character. I gotta be a little nicer to Barbara. She's she's done almost nothing, like nothing. Like, and we just keep on picking on her, even if like she has like one scene in an episode. So that scene, the more I thought about it, was um, here's what's going on from Fish's point of view. She's she knows that pretty much she's backed into a corner because she's a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Everything that she's doing, she's doing because she has no other you know options like. She's going to die if she fails, but if she does nothing, she's going to die anyway. So she's kind of going for broke. 
So, damned if you do, don't, damned if you don't kind of thing. Yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And once, you know, that, like, one woman came down and says, they took my eyes. Like, I think that Fish actually, <laughs> honestly, like, I would not be surprised if Fish had even, like, planned, you know, that this might be something that she would have to do from that point. Like, knowing that they were going to come for her body parts and knowing, you know, the leverage. I'm wondering if she walked into that situation prepared to do this if nothing else worked. And when these guys were coming at her saying that they were going to take her eyes, you know, like, she knew that there was no way she was going to end this day, you know, with, you know, both eyes intact. Because she couldn't overpower the guys. They were going to get her anyway. So gouging out that eye and destroying it... It at least means that she gets to keep one because, like Don said, you know, they need the full set. So it's – and it's her trying to, you know, regain control of the situation. And I read an interview with Jada Pinkett Smith on like – I think it was People.com or something. I was very disappointed because it was supposed to like talk about this scene, but there was only like one like small section of the article that talked about it. And she said, oh boy, I was sure sick that day of shooting. Oh, yeah. Otherwise – Otherwise, it just talked about her character. But, like, you know, Jada says that, like, Fish is is a lot sc- more scared than she's letting on. Like, she's just doing what she can to maintain control of the situation. But really, she has no control. So, you know. Well, yeah, that's, when, that's what I figured because, um, sorry to interrupt, but, like, at, at this point now, she's down one eye. And so is Dulamaka. But, like, at, at what point does her living value anybody besides her i guess we have to find that out the next episode why they let her live oh gosh is that is that what it's called the one where they let her live <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually the one where fish uses a actually it, it's it's the episode is called like everyone has a cobble pot i don't yeah, know which is the silliest thing i've heard all <laughs> it's it sounds like a sitcom like and everyone loves raymond type thing like Hi, I'm Oswald Cobblepot. Here's my wacky life. I live in a nightclub with Butch and my mother. I live in a nightclub. (laughs) (laughs) With Butch and my crazy mother, who's a lounge singer. What kind of crazy sitcom adventures will we have? Find out on my new, you know, comedy. Everyone has a Cobblepot. Yeah, if I may comment on this. So I talked a little bit about it in in my summary. Um, But I I was nervous for her, and I I think she did have higher expectations uh, of herself and what she could potentially do. I I think Fish is um, a little enamored of herself, and she's (laughs) thinking that, hey, you know, I I rose from whatever place I was. I do imagine that she has some sort of troubling backstory, and she rose to the top. So, you know, I was there. I was in the ranks with Falcone and everything. I can do the same thing here and rise to the top. And she, we've seen her do that already with these people that are, are in this uh, this basement there. And I think that uh, perhaps she's thinking a little too much of herself because, you know, she goes up there. And I think I, – I almost disagree with you, Josh. I almost think that this – a lot of this is, is ad-libbed. I, I think her big plan was to somehow get up there. And everything was, was thrown – uh, to the wind when obviously the manager is there, but the doctor is not there. So she's already had to change tactics. And I, I think everything after that is she's really constantly changing her game plan depending on what's going on. 
and, and what she originally envisioned this meeting being is not at all what the meeting was like. I think she put herself in a really bad situation, and I think even, I mean, she should have realized this, that going up there, she is not going to be safe, her by herself. I mean, really switching with one-armed lackey is not going to do anything, and I was just prepared for the worst of, you know, what is going to happen to her. I thought the shower, oh my gosh, why are you doing this? Why are you, you know, what? just turn down the shower. But I, I guess the other option was, of course, the straight jacket that the, the um, what are those people called? The orderly had behind her. So then, yeah, we have this whole situation. And, and I feel like for the first time we really saw fear in, in Fish's eyes. I, I think she usually puts on a pretty brave face and a brave act. And she, she very much like Josh, I think, does not show her emotions. What? The what? <laughs> and <laughs> Josh is a what? Does not... <laughs> Well, because when Josh lies in San Diego, like he comes up with these outlandish stories, and you're watching his face, and he must be a psychopath. <laughs> he must be a psychopath, really. <laughs> but really, because he reveals. Oh, yeah. Aside from my like, trapped in the closet story, what's another San Diego lie that I've told? The alcohol. That that was a trapped in the closet one. Oh, okay. I didn't connect the two. But yeah, I mean, you come up with stories all the time and you can watch your face and there's nothing on it. So anyways, that's what I imagine. I basically Josh Bertoni is Fish Mooney in <laughs> and, and a psychopath uh, apparently. This is, this this is like the wackiest episode I think we've recorded yet. So I don't know. Last episode had Kermit the Frog like <laughs> That's true. Um so any yeah, so I think for the first time we saw fear in her eyes and then you have you know, this this manager guy saying, hey, here are the two options. And they're both basically ending up the same. And when that happened, yes, Josh had said she does something questionable. And I, I t- my response was, that's basically her life story. And he said, well, you wait and see. And when I think of questionable, I thought, like, morally questionable. I thought, oh, man, does she go against this entire group of people to get out, like, hey, you can do whatever you want with them, just let me go. Uh, but instead, she she sticks with these people in a certain way. And, uh, yes, when that happened, I there are only certain times that I shout out loud because, I mean, I live by myself, so there's really no one to talk to. And in this, t- I, I said, what the fudge just happened? Uh, and and I do. I actually. Don't I got that text. Either. So it, it really yes. And then uh, yeah, I texted in all caps. You know what the fudge? The fudge was this. Because uh, I just was not. I was not expecting. And I thought, what in the world? But you know, to go with uh, Donovan's uh, questions there. You know, why is she doing this? And and why not just kill her? I think it goes to show. Unless you know, I'm stretching it. Just how much this guy, which of course it's Dollmaker, even though it's like Dollmaker. Um, I, I guess these living beings are so important uh, to him, and and I think perhaps everyone else is very fearful of what his reaction would be if somebody died. So a body part is more important on a, on a living person. So uh, I think that's why I think she's starting to realize that that killing herself is, I guess, the end. I mean. She would obviously spite everybody doing that, but that puts her out. So this is the better way of she's damaged goods now, but she can still live. 
But, I mean, she's got other body parts to potentially give. But I, I was really unprepared for that. And uh, generally, I don't like anything to do with uh, the eyes, especially after yeah. uh, Game of Thrones last season. But but anything with the, I mean, the governor and, and uh, Walking Dead, the eyes, I don't know. They just make me squeamish. But I just was not expecting it to think of a, a spoon. So, uh, yeah, so that, those are my thoughts on, on the fish. Very, very shocking. I think that's the most shocking thing we've seen uh, this season. If I was a true psychopath like Stella oh my is gosh. accusing me of, if, if. if I, if I was, this is what I would do if I was that doctor, oh. you know, and a true psychopath. Uh-huh. I'd be like – The manager? The, the manager. The I'd be like, oh, okay. well, now we're going to go after your leg and then just like leave a sword around so she can like cut off her leg and then basically just keep on trolling her until like she's a fish stump. Like <laughs> I didn't really want your leg or arms. I just wanted to see how many body parts of yours you would cut off. I don't know. I, 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 it doesn't look in like, you know, strong emotion for me. I'm just, I'm just really like, I guess I am like, you know, what can happen next? But you know, she, she is like trapped in a room full of people who have no concern over who she actually is back in Gotham. So to me, like, like the idea that she can gain any sort of leverage where she's completely outnumbered, it, it, it kind of just like confuses me because it does it, it reaches for logic. Like, are they going to say, "Ah, oh, Miss Mooney, you know, we request your presence. Grab her from the room and take her out, drag her out there." You know, the guy like Dahlberg can can feign any sort of like you know false sense of class, however he wants. But I, I, I liked I liked the leading up to her getting her out because it really set in motion, or it really kind of like underlined the fact that she is in a very vulnerable situation and. The, the writers and by extension the character need to really pull out, pull out all the stops to escape and i mean she, did she like, just walk away like like i, I would have thought that like she's like like i don't know would just start running or something or something something more desperate than a kind of a very random freak out i assume that well it seems like she just stayed she there, she right? passes out i think yeah oh, did oh good yeah i i, I rewind in fact like um the kid oh, who i watch it with i told him in this episode a character loses a body part and you know how long it took him to guess Fish Mooney and I? Like, not one minute. <laughs> really? He's, he was he, Well, because he's like, well, we know that Fish Mooney is in that, like, you know, organ, like, you know, transplant place. And uh, since that one girl lost her eyes, I'm going to guess Fish Mooney and eyes. Am I right? And yeah. I just, like, <laughs> grinded my teeth. Go to bed. Know, like, <laughs> yeah. Go to Go bed. To bed. <laughs> Do you think that, that – uh, the show is is I don't know going down. Uh, it's going to sound idiot if I say darker path, but I just felt like I was in a totally different show when she was walking down the hall. Like I felt like I was watching American Horror Story, walking down, seeing all these people without body parts, seeing that one guy in the ice, the ice bath. tub, and I thought, is yeah, is this where we want Gotham to go? So, do you have any thoughts about like the tone of the show just in this particular story, and does it fit with what we want Gotham to be? I, I'd uh, say yes. Because Gotham is supposed to be dist- – like Gotham is a disturbing place and, you know, Batman deals with some freaky-deaky stuff. You know, this isn't Central City or, you know, or a, a Spider-Man show. It's – I think I said in the past when we were talking about like the Scarecrow episodes or something or maybe it was an episode before that. But I like it when the show disturbs me and when the show pushes my buttons in that way. Well, I think that like this color goes back to like, and I've said this before in the comic cast, which is why I left because I'm sure Dustin got freaking tired of me saying it. But it, it, it comes down to like how you perceive Gotham City to be because my personal view on Gotham City is that like it's, it's a dark place, which is why Batman's there. But 
when it comes to like the costume characters, it's kind of dark in a weird, like a weird psychological thing, and not in like a very like strict, violent, you know, gory saw kind of thing. And I feel that like at, at, at this point in my life, in my age, I'm kind of desensitized to a, a certain amount of violence. Like I don't, I don't, I don't accept for the eye either. But like the fact that it happened doesn't really make me say that this is a big leap in tone. That being said, though, I think that like the show is willing to go really dark. I mean, this, this, this is like you know, Gotham viewer discretion advised. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, so I think that like, they kind of like advertise the show as a very like grim and gritty sort of situation, even though it has a Batman name on it. And I don't know if that like it necessarily has to be that way because just because it's, it's Gotham Batman doesn't. I mean, uh, this is kind of interesting because as of this recording, they announced that like the latest Batman Arkham game is rated mature. Really? Oh yeah, you didn't hear about that? That was like yesterday or today. I didn't. Which I thought it's trending kind of, on Facebook. Which that, that, that's kind of like you. Do you really want to push the violence that much? I mean, I thought, from what I've played of the Arkham games, I thought the violence level was fine. I don't think they need to like, you know go into like Punisher territory because you know, Batman yeah. is not supposed. Batman is still. It's not supposed to be that bleak of a of a story. I don't think. So I think that like. I think that like the writers have a, have a certain mindset to where they can be as violent as they can be as long as you know network television will allow them. But I don't know if like the the source material like validates that all the time. If that makes any sense. So I don't, I don't have a problem with it necessarily, but that doesn't mean that like you know it's doing what it should do because of the source material. If that makes any sense. It's interesting that um, I wonder if they would have been able to do this uh, 15 years ago um, at eight oh, no. o'clock on Fox. Because I don't remember what what show I'm thinking of, but there was another show where I remember because of their time slots um, and because it was network TV, like they had to fight for a lot of things. And uh, maybe X Files. I don't think it was X Files. X Files or Millennium were pretty. I mean, as a child, anyways, I was pretty. Yeah, I, I just remember there there was a network TV show that that had a hard time like doing certain things because it had like an eight o'clock time slot. And when it was moved to like nine or ten, it it was uh, the restrictions were somewhat lifted. But I don't know what it was. Uh, some someone mentioned somewhere it might have been Facebook. Like, oh, maybe she can get like an eye transplant or something. And I do not I want she- that to happen. I I don't want this to be reversed. I want Fish to have one eye for the rest of the series. Maybe she can have a false eye. Like I I don't care. Or like I I don't. She can rock the eye. Yeah, patch. she can rock the eye patch like the governor. I mean, it's. Uh, there, there might be some Walking Dead like comparisons or something because of that, yeah. but it's. Well, I've already started. Oh, I know it, it's and it's unavoidable. You know, maybe Gotham will add a gay couple next, like Walking Dead just did. They already have. Who? Bob. Oh, you, uh, <laughs> whoops! <laughs> I well, like a, a gay male couple. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like gay guys don't exist in this show yet. But yeah, I don't want this to be reversed. You know, it would be a very, very cowardly thing to do. Gotham writers, if you are out there, don't do something cheap to like, you know, make it, it like this episode never happened. Like, well, I, don't, I don't think that like it's, this it, like, needs to be the turning point for fish. Kind of going back into like the whole like you know source material thing. I don't think it's within. It's usually not within Batman comics wheelhouse to like. 
okay, until the last like twenty years, to like reverse heavy stuff like this, like you know, like Barbara was shot and then she was paralyzed just until I was dead, kind of thing. If someone would lose an eye, like, like for instance, uh, KG Beast, he chopped off his own arm to, uh, in Tonight's the Beast, and like you know, he had like sort of a weapon gun arm for for like the rest of his appearances. I don't think that like I don't think that Gotham is sort of like the idea where someone can lose their eye for an episode, and then like the next episode, fish your eye is better. I know a guy. Now let's continue with the plot. I, I, well, I don't think that's, that's believable. Um, what's her name? Lynx. She was beheaded, and she got her head that's back what, that's what I, I didn't before being like, killed again. Say the last twenty years, like typically before nineteen ninety nine, I think that like like the, the the Batman comics were in the in the in the uh, the business of not reversing major physical changes. Would you agree with that or not? Do you disagree with that? Up, I up, think comic comics in general reverse physical change. I mean, Bruce. Bruce got his back broken, you know, and and he turned out fine. Like, there's always been this, like, you know, magic science thing. Alfred died in the Silver Age and was, like, legitimately, like, buried, like, had a funeral. And, like, he came back, like, somehow he didn't suffer. Jason Todd. Well, no, no. First of all, you're not not listening. I'm I'm saying, like, the last 20 years, like, saving saving the last... First of all, you're not listening to me. (laughs) Typically, at least least in, like, the kind of, like, post-crisis sort of like pool that this is this is maybe kind of coming from maybe not but like there was at least a time where like the batman books were played to be a lot more realistic for lack of a better word where people people wouldn't just like come back from crap now okay eventually they they, they would but i but, used alfred as an example that was in the silver age that's, a, that's, a, that's an, an anomaly though i mean aquaman's son died and he never came back um in current new 52 continuity how many eyes does rose wilson have uh i think still two Stella, have you read any 52 Rose Wilson? I haven't. Didn't she um, stab out her own? Yeah. In pre-New 52? Yeah. yeah she her, did dad, her dad was like, you're a failure. You're nothing like me. And she takes the sword and, yeah. and says, and you're wrong, Dad. I'm exactly like you. What if Fish Mooney is going to become Rose Wilson? What if she becomes Deathstroke? What if she becomes Slade Wilson? What if, because, okay, hear me out. She's at the Dollmaker's, like, you know, place. What if they give her a skin transplant so she's now white and has gray hair and um, a sex transplant and then a name transplant? Do you want that to happen? Yes, because it would be hilarious. Ed <laughs> <laughs> um, would replace me on this show. I just like I, I feel that like I, I, it really does kind of depend on the next episode, but I'm really not sure where it's going. Not in like, you know, I can't wait kind of way, but like in a I'm legitimately confused kind of way. But it's not like, you know, making me angry. So I guess we'll see next week or whenever, how it, how it turns out. Kermit the Frog's favorite character, Barbara Keane. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. For, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, just listen to the blooper section of last week's episode. Um, that was only one scene. And it, it's actually really weird because it almost could have been a deleted scene. I don't feel like it advanced the plot line. It just, you know, established continuation of what happened last week. But, you know, Keen is letting these orphans continue to live with her I, and then giving them her clothes. And I don't want to say there's been debate online, but like, you know, Dom was saying that that scene was creepy um, when he was texting me. The scene of like, you know. Yeah. Uh, I also oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. And you said that, too. Right. Yeah. Like. And you, you both got more of a sexual vibe from it than I got. And the vibe I got was more of, like, a maternal thing, but, like, an evil maternal thing. Like the, Very like the evil wick, maternal thing. Like the Wicked Mother in um, Tangled or something. 
Um, like, remember the Mother Knows... Did anyone see Tangled? There's, like, that Mother Knows Best no, song. Yes. Like, I was kind of thinking of that, like, maternal but evil. But I, I checked Facebook and other comment sections, and a lot of other people were, like, weirded out and disturbed. And it's funny, because I said I like My Gotham Disturbing, thinking that Barbara Keane was being a little inappropriate in that scene. Uh, one thing I noticed there is, like, when, like, they make a comment about her partying, and she says not anymore, but she's holding a glass of wine... And she's going to sip it, yeah. but then Selena shoots her a look, and she, like, puts it down. Oh, I, I, I didn't catch that. Huh. Yeah, like, like, Selena kind of, like, gives her a look. Like, like why do you have that in your hand? And Barbara puts it down. Um, but well, yeah, this, this, this one we can't, like, can't go through a scene without, like, just ingesting alcohol at all hours of the day. Seemingly. <laughs> Remember all those empty bottles when she was on Renee's bed? I just don't know how I can say... What I would like to say, what I, the reason why I'm feeling it, um, say what's in your heart without insulting. Well, I'm <laughs> afraid of insulting some people group. So, oh boy, the reason, well, just because. Uh, well, I, I guess I, you could I, I you could keep uh, things like specific to Barbara and not to people groups in general. Yeah. I, I, I guess. But I think the reason why we're nervous about it is because she has already shown that she's bisexual so i it's hard for me to view this situation um without that lens uh like you know why what are you don't want to equate bisexuality with being a predator that that's that's my issue yeah exactly but i think that you know if if i'm looking at this i still i still think about you know what are her intentions what are her motivations and knowing who Barbara is and that she's unstable, is she, I mean, is she honestly making a move towards this girl thinking that, I mean, I mean, well, Barbara is really broken right now. And I honestly don't know what things she won't do. And yeah, she, like she continually is drinking. So frankly, when I was watching this, it did rub me the wrong way. I, I really don't know what the intention was. I'm, I'm surprised social media hasn't burst apart and... And people, you know, defend the scene or or whatever because that's. I've seen people comment on the scene, and they mostly agree with you. Okay, but you thought otherwise, so I do hope that. Well, you Josh, Josh is, is innocent minded, so he doesn't think bad things about Barbara King. Yeah, I guess. Well, <laughs> I've been more hateful of her than anyone, but go ahead. Well, we're both, you know, Josh. You and I are both um, in, if you would. It, this is going to sound weird, but in like the child caring business. Uh, you really in, in all aspects of their lives, and I'm educating them. And uh, I just think about, you know, day to day, I do really think about, you know, what is pro- what is your proper relationship between a student, you know, student-teacher and, of course, being an adult, being a child. And I think because she does not know Selena very well. Uh, now, I, I have no idea what the time is like. It seems like it's not been very long, though, because given Selena's uh, – the way she does things, she doesn't stay very long at one place. So I have to think that this is maybe day number two or three, but not very long because Selena moves on. She gets pretty, she gets cold feet and then leaves. But just to think that they don't know each other very well and she's, you know, acting as if, you know, this was a younger sister. If they knew each other really well, I think I would have taken this in a different way. Um, but 
you know, I, I just I kind of look at it in in a very different lens, and um, so that's what I'll say about that. I do have a really big problem, just the fact that yeah, why are they still in her apartment? She says she likes them there. I mean, what is it because I again? I guess it goes back to her being so broken, and I feel like these two people who are also broken, perhaps she's looking at them saying, "Well, my life could be a lot worse. I could be living out in the street." They're you know giving her compliments and and helping her out with clothing. So so perhaps this is the most uplifted she's ever been. She's getting something out of them emotionally, I think. But I think that this whole situation is very weird. And they really do need to go. And Barbara needs to... Something needs to happen. Like, I wish they would kill off the character. <laughs> and then there's a reboot and we have, you know, Barbara Keene 2.0. How would that even... <laughs> the whole show, like, we're Well, you were boots. talking about... <laughs> Maybe, maybe, yeah, that's a good way. So she dies. Uh, <laughs> Jim goes, he just goes, he's fraught. What is happening right now? And he decides to himself, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And he decides, you know, I've heard of this place, this mystical place, and, and I think it's really going to be calm and serene for me. I'm going to go to Nanda Parbat. <laughs> now, also, Nanda Parbat is this uh, younger looking, 20 ish looking, even though he's really 100 or more, uh, Rachel Ghoul going by Ralph. <laughs> And, um, You're on fire tonight. And so he is. I, they actually end up becoming friends. No. And his parting gift, Ralph Gooley, is this canister of something. And he says, you know, I can help you with, with what you're, you're struggling with. And I can bring Barbara back. So then Jim comes back to Gotham from Nanda Parbat. And, and for the rest of this uh, season, he, he's got this... Um, this this vial on the top of of Barbara's mantelpiece because he actually moves back into her. Of course he does. And it's of course. And then uh, above the mantelpiece, of course, is a, a nice little like thirty six by forty two picture of Barbara in her best moment pre drugs and Renee and all those sorts of things. And so the rest of the season, he stares at this. That's how those episodes end. But the next season, at some point, he decides to resurrect her. And she actually comes back a little crazy, but she gets she uh, she gets better and she becomes a better Barbara Gordon. And I just wrote uh, basically an Emmy winning uh, story arc. Emmy winning. <laughs> Emmy winning. What's Lee doing during during all of this? Well, he pushed her away, unfortunately, because of his his depression. And she said, you know, I don't want to date somebody pining after a ghost. You think that Barbara will, like, show up as an actual ghost during this time? Like, But anyways, I don't even know where we were before I... We were talking about Barbara's predatory <laughs> instinct, but all of a sudden, Ralph Gooley, that, that's, like, that, that's the quote of the night. <laughs> and that is what they would do, too, like... <laughs> Of course. What's your name? My name is Ralph. But by the way, speaking of like the whole names thing, I know we just talked about it, but you know, it's like when the guy says Dahlmacher, like it does the my name is yeah. Khan music. Like his name is Dahlmacher. Is that which, supposed which, which to Which is why I asked something? you if the character like had been around earlier than like the, uh, the mid-2000s. Like, like uh, I asked if there was like, any like long-ranging significance, but no, he just showed up around the New 52. So, so Don... Follow that. You don't want to ask me about this. Uh, for one thing, like we just got distracted by this mad, mad woman's, you know, rant about. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. Changing a guy. Who, I, I love this. This is like I was nervous. Like, oh man, when we used to record late, you know, that was hard for Stella. But like, you know, so I tried to get us to record early. But like, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> 
Hi, I, I, I'm you know from the Middle East. My name is Ralph. It means the demon's head. <laughs> okay, well, here, well, I'm gonna like you lay it out there because I don't. I too, you know, and not so stupid that when I see somebody, you know, who happens to be of a certain orientation, I think, well, clearly, clearly they're going to look for anybody of that same gender, and you know, try, try to get with them. That's that's brain dead. But at the same time, here's the fact of the case when it comes to this scene. Uh, Barbara uh, is like glued to you know her her sh- tumbler full of champagne or whatever. Uh, Selena, you know, surprisingly polite says, "Hey, thank you for letting us stay here." You know, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And then she's like, you know, okay, here here you are, um, uh, Selena and Ivy. Like, you can have all these clothes that, that can't possibly fit you because you're the size of tension. I was wondering about that, too. Yeah. And it's just like, and then she, then she turns around and, like, you know, says, you're a very beautiful girl, Selena. If you allow yourself to be, if you take off these horrifying clothes that only a hobo would wear. Oh, by the way, you, where, where, where do you live? Oh, you don't live anywhere? Okay. Well, anyway, um... You know, your beauty can be used as a weapon more deadlier than any knife or gun. And it's just like, you know, touching all over her face like she's John Travolta or something. Like, what are we supposed to take away from this? What At what point did Barbara King become like, she's, she, her voice is lower. She's talking a lot more villainish. Like, your looks can be a weapon used against me. What is it? <laughs> what, what is it with this character? Like, I, I'm just confused. It, 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 you can, it, can, it either sounds villainish or predatory, but either way, it doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like something a normal-minded person would say. I don't care if she is, like, you know, sad over a breakup, or even if she is drunk. Like, she sounds awfully focused for somebody who's, you know, you know, just, I don't know, allowing two freeloaders to kind of stink up her own apartment. I, again, what, what what is going on? And the fact that this is becoming like a, like, a, like a thing on social media or on Twitter is like, the cat and the babs! Watch out, Gotham. They sure are going to, like, you know, wreck up your face or something. I don't know. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't seem like the show is connecting with, with itself when it comes to this character. I, I want to address something that Don said, you know, like, it, well, actually, something that Barbara Keene said, really, like, take, you know, clean up that dirt, you know, take away those ratty clothes. And it's like, I'm sorry. Is she looking at the same bar- uh, Barbara Keene? Is she looking at the same Selena Kyle that we are? Because Selena's face is, like, very, very clear, especially for a teenage girl. I mean, obviously, it's Hollywood makeup. Those clothes, she's dressed better than I am. Like, she's, like, homeless <laughs> chic. Not even homeless chic, just regular chic. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at screenshots of her right now, and she has this very, like, pale face. <laughs> she's yes. Whenever I see an actor from The Walking Dead in real life or, like, on something else, I always have the same thought in my head, which is, wow, they're very clean. Because The Walking Dead, like, does a good job of making these characters look like they're legitimately living in the wilderness. Like, their hair is not straight. It's messed up. Their faces are dirty. Their clothes are faded. Like, they're not just wearing regular clothes. Like, these clothes are, like, faded and, like, worn out and, like, have holes in it. Um, Stella, remember last season when, like, we flashed back to, like, Michonne before she became Samurai Michonne? Yes. Like, with her brother and her brother. I, I did not recognize her because, like, her skin was so bright, her clothes were bright, and her voice was, like, cheerful and happy mm-hmm. in a way that, like, we have, like, almost never heard Michonne before. Like, that that's how a show, like, makes a person look dirty. And I'm not saying, you know, Selena Kyle has to look like she's from The Walking Dead, but it's like Barbara Keene was describing a Walking Dead character. Like, you know, like, oh, just clean up. It's like, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Selena, Selena doesn't look, you know, like she's been through a ringer. So that dialogue didn't really fit the scene. 
Uh, I, don't think I, she, I don't think she looks like, you know, great or anything, but I don't think she looks like, you know, as ratty as actual homeless people look in real life. I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining, you know, I'm, I'm questioning it because everyone else is coming to the conclusion. But my reading of the scene is that Barbara's being maternal, but like a very, very like misguided maternal. Um, that said, uh, I couldn't take any of the kids that I work with. I, I couldn't take like the boys and take them up to a mirror and be like, you know, you're so handsome and, you know, and your looks, they're going to – I don't know. It would be weird. It's, Hell to them. <laughs> yeah, and boys don't talk about other boys' looks anyway. Like I don't even – like Don and I don't talk about that, you know, or anything like that. <laughs> well, you're uh, <laughs> Like I couldn't even like finish my analogy because like it's just too disturbing to imagine. So it's it is weird what Barbara was doing and the way the scene was like shot and like the look on Barbara's face it was evil. I guess we should talk about too like the zinger that like Selena gives her, which is like you know what good has your beauty got in you? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it, it's like you take that Barbara King that shut you up, but really it's like I don't know. I was, I'm so I'm so hung up on like Barbara's attitude i think it might be like like a direction of the you know the director told her to play it that way like you know to come off as like you know threatening and come off as though you know you have a plan for the future or whatever but i think even if you divorce the character from her past doings and you know her orientation all that kind of stuff it still comes off as it's really weird like if you had never seen that character before she just kind of shows up and like you know starts touching carmen being condova's face like that it still comes off as very very bizarre and you know uh alarming i also wonder what what was you know beneath her saying you can use your looks as a weapon because i just thought to myself are we going down the route where you know like that sex is gonna like move you forward and in all situations and you can get off the streets you know oh my gosh no well i mean (laughs) she's the reason why selena punches stan yeah, I don't know. We, you know, use your your looks are a weapon. Well, there's, I mean, well, it doesn't automatically mean sex, I though. I mean, it's like it's like if you think back to Poison Ivy and Batman and Robin, like she would just like you know, like like go around. Of course, she had her, her magic gas, but she would like uh, like you know, oh, do this for me, kind of thing. <laughs> Not Fish Mooney and Poison Ivy, <laughs> but um, <laughs> well played by Uma Thurman. Well, at the same time, I, I mean, I feel that like. I, I understand that that's a mentality that, like, you know, very fresh women have. Like, you know, oh, you know, you gotta. It's like I saw a scene from a um, scandal where, like, um, uh, I almost said scandal's father, Olivia Pope's father, said you gotta, you gotta like. Give, uh, <laughs> you call the character <laughs> by the show's name. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene I saw where, like, uh, like you know, you gotta do twice as good as them to get half of what they want. But you know, basically, use by any means necessary, including and a lot of a lot of women. Are put in a position where they do need to, you know, use their sexuality to get in positions of power that men occupy. But at the same time, it's like this is this is not like 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 what does Barbara King have to show for all of that? Like you know, her rich parents give her money, and that's it. It's not like she's an actual leader of some sort of, some sort of business or in a position of power. She, you know, she's a trust fund. She's a trust fund floozy who's talking to a homeless girl and basically giving her bad, you know, adult advice. I feel like Barbara right now is very much the opposite kind of character as Selena. Um, she may be, you know, giving all of this stuff out, you know, all of this advice that probably won't help her in the long run. But I think, I mean, Selena's been living on the streets for a while and is very self-sustaining and can handle herself. And uh, I, I just feel like we're looking at two different generations of women. 
you know, the ones where, you know, I, I think they were weaker and, and, and potentially, you know, afraid to, to step up for themselves and, and have to use other means. And then the other ones, which are, I mean, they have learned to survive and, and are, are stronger for it, I think. Um, but I, I don't know. It, I loved that she, I mean, Selena's a very intuitive person and, and I think intelligent. So it was the right thing to say, though it was, it came off very harsh, which is what happens with Selena and, and things she says to other people. I have no idea what Barbara is going to uh, do, but I, I'm hopeful that the girls leave. As I said before, Selena doesn't really stick around one place for for too long. But the whole interaction was, it, I mean, it was just weird. And throughout all this conversation, we've not even mentioned Ivy was there too. <laughs> we did, because, like, the clothes and stuff. But yeah, like. I, I mean, she was putting on the gold club jacket. Here's a. Here's a way that you can, you know, have neither Leslie or Barbara be Barbara Gordon's mother. And that this is a tangent and like, you know, and I'm going to regret this when I'm editing because like I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, you know, this episode needs to be shorter. But they could do Barbara's post-crisis origin in the show and like have it be interesting where um, Jim's brother um, and his wife, uh, Thelma, come to visit with their, you know, young daughter, Barbara, and – you know, and there's some tension between Jim and his brother because of a previous falling out. And Bullock, you know, once they leave, Bullock is able to work out, you know, that uh, that Jim and Thelma used to have a thing, which is what was revealed eventually in the 90s, that um, apparently the two brothers were, like, both after this girl. And, uh, and Bullock's also able to work out that the young Barbara that's with that couple is Jim's daughter, you know, and, and it's like a secret that only the two of them share. And I feel like maybe you've like said this to me before, maybe in another conversation. Yeah, and um, maybe I have. I don't know. Uh, and uh, you know, the maybe Barbara doesn't get adopted by like Jim right then and there, but like you know, it establishes her as a character. And then later on in the show's run, if Barbara Keen and Jim do get back together, when they're trying to build their life, all of a sudden Jim's brother dies. You know, before they can make up, or maybe at a pivotal point in their relationship where they're just starting to reestablish it. Um, Thelma and uh, Roger, which is Jim's brother, die. And now Barbara and Jim have this young girl who they have to deal with, and they have to be parents when like their lives are barely together. That would be interesting. Certainly is possible. What do you I'm think? Not sure, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I have many thoughts on that because it's a hypothetical involving characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. I know. Are, are you saying that that situation is going to make her grow up? It could make that, them when she it, has to be, you know, forcing herself to become a parent. May, may, maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe she's already done some growing up by then. I would think she'd have to do some growing up if Jim was going to take her back. But I think it would just be an interesting place to take the show in that, you know, in that direction. And it's, a, I think, yeah, I, I think that's fine. You know, I, I'm certainly open to, you know, how they can bring Barbara Gordon into into the fold. But I, I really think that this character is so damaged right now that they really need to fix whatever is going on, you know, with, whether it's just the character or the writing, before they start adding new elements. And so I'm hoping that by the end I – may, I guess that's too soon. I mean, can this end by the end of the season? Can we have a likable Barbara Gordon? Is it possible? Are there any redeeming qualities is she fixable, or are we going to be like waiting through all of this stuff in the next season as well? I think if we're going to be honest, that she she means well, 
but that matters so little compared to what I, what happens around her. <laughs> she had one scene that was all of two minutes, and we're and like, <laughs> and we spent half the show like analyzing. But there's it. a lot that happened because we're the Gotham podcast. Yeah, exactly. We chronicle Gotham and the Gotham City Sirens. I feel like I'm in the Back to the Future movie where, um, like, um, after Marty, you know, stops his parents from meeting, like, he's looking at the picture of himself and he's fading away. And even though, like, you know, his dad's life is going on normal and his mom is, you know, trying to get with him now, it's – he has to fix the timeline. And I feel like that's what's happening here. Like, even though – like – even though Jim could end up in Lee and with Lee and we've joked about Lee being Barbara's mother, some of us are more serious about it than others. Like there's all these, you know, <laughs> other theories we have and I even brought up the whole like, you know, Roger and Thelma as Barbara's parents thing. I feel like for canon to be restored, for the timeline to be fixed, Jim and Barbara need to get together. So like like Marty McFly, I feel like, you know, we need to fix this instead of like killing off Barbara, you know, with Ralph Gooley or you know, or going to her post-crisis origin. We need to, like, fix this before my photograph of Oracle, like, fades away. Like, that's the solution to the problem. <laughs> my, like, canon OCD brain. Photograph of Oracle, that's funny. Well, yeah, because in Back to the Future, Marty had that photograph, and it was, like, fading away until he fixed the timeline. Like, we have to, um, we have to get Barbara to go to the, like, Fish Under the Sea dance, and, like, maybe Jim will play guitar and Johnny be good. Moving on to, um... Oswald Cobblepot and his new BFF Butch, who every time he was in a scene, it was like the scene was like halfway over, and then like <laughs> you'd find out that like Butch was there all along. Like he's at the end of the bar, like, oh, look, that's Maroney's booze. Uh, uh, I guess I had. I liked, you know, this uh, Butch Penguin stuff. It was interesting, and it was good to see Butch, you know able to do simple math and you know like functioning as a human being because we weren't sure how much of his brain was left after you know last episode but <laughs> i mean otherwise i could have taken her you know leaving this plot i mean it's it, it advanced you know it slightly advanced the whole like oswald story and but i mean i'm still suspicious of butch as i was last week like wondering if he really is you know still loyal to fish and it was nice to get a little history of the club but otherwise i don't really have a lot to say about uh the Butch Penguin plotline. Well, it's funny that like, like apparently Butch would just allow Penguin to fail before saying, you know, what you should really do is this. This this always helped me and Fish out. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't just tell him that from the jump. He would just kind of sit back and like you know. Well, he he, he didn't know that they were out of booze. He didn't. He, he, he was sitting right there drinking it. But he didn't know they were out until like the bartender said they were. I don't think he knew that they were getting low. Or Butchin'? I, I, I would have thought that he would have been aware of that. I don't know. <laughs> Just go on with your thoughts. Uh, no, that's, that's my basic thought. That like you know, he kind of like conveniently. Oh hi! I did like when um, Penguin is it's becoming a fairly one note now. And like when he's like you know, I know we'll rob the uh, Maroni people of, of their alcohol. So he's sitting in the car and like he's he's like jumping up and down like jumping jacks. He's like, ooh, boy, it's gonna be great. Soon they open that door and they will rob them. And then like, the cops come out. And he's like, oh, jeez. And then Butch kind of just like you know just shoves himself. Hiya, the- fellas. <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> but um, there's not there's not much to say. But like, you know, besides showing that penguins is like you know incompetent at more things than we thought he was competent at. And uh, I guess that's establishing his character further. I suppose. I think that there's an inconsistency with with Butch between the end of the last episode and this one, and 
I mean, Josh said simple math, but I think he's doing a lot more than that. <laughs> I mean, we go from a guy who I thought, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's brain dead and, you know, we'll, we'll dance around whenever given the order. And here we've got somebody like, act, you know, talking about fish, uh, make coming up with this elaborate plan, calling in connections that he has. That's not the butch that we saw in the previous episode. So is that, I, 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 yeah. Does that contradict him uh, a greatly? Do you think? Does that what what contradict him like a huge amount? Because he says the previous the- episode was that I mean basically he wasn't going to do anything without somebody say so, and all of a sudden he's taking the initiative to do all of this stuff. And yeah, like you said, he was letting Penguin fall. That's all. I mean, he's processing a lot of stuff. Um. I mean, it's the first time we've seen him speak since that moment. So I, I guess I'm like willing to see any sort of embellishments in his new his new uh, outlook or whatever. I, I, I take your point, but it's, it's not affecting me or my reading as much as it does you. And maybe the more time he spends outside of like Zaz's basement, the more to his senses he kind of comes. Uh, I really don't think he was letting Penguin fail. I just that you know the way that the scene was written. Like and like as the characters are learning this information because he even has that line where he's like, you know, hey, man, you know, I I, I want this club to succeed because uh, it was a cockfighting place and Fish and I took it over and I helped this club build up like he, he doesn't want anything bad to happen to this club. Sure, he doesn't. <laughs> Maybe he'll I, take I, out I think a- like, like, like Butch is still a character that we can't. I, I think it would be erroneous for us to like claim that like we know everything about his character and that something is like out of character because we had that we had that episode with him and his best buddy and he stole the 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 good meat that 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 developed his character what's your point (laughs) well my point is 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 that like you know i think that like to say at this point like you know there's an incongruity with how his character's been established because he's a he's an original character i'm willing to like let the writers you know, establish him however they want and in, within the first season. So I'm not as willing to say, like, you know, well, this doesn't make sense in his character as Stella is because I feel that, like I don't know him from top to bottom just yet. So Alfred had a buddy from the regiment show up this episode. And before, you know, it took that dark turn, I, it felt like I was watching, like, another type. Like Stella mentioned, you know, earlier, like how sometimes she feels like she's watching a different show. Like, this felt like, you know, a sitcom, you know, like Fresh Prince or Full House or Roseanne or something where – like the, we're like the patriarch, you know, like the patriarch of the house has an old buddy show up and they like, you know, embarrass the patriarch's family. Like, why did you know that your dad used to be a hippie and or a biker before he became serious? Stop it. Yeah. You're embarrassing. That's, a, that's literally an episode from the first person bill here with Uncle Phil. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then it, you know, and then at the end, it's like you've changed, man. And then it turns out that the other person's down on their luck and this person's staying at the house. Um I'm I'm surprised. I, I, I did not see it coming that he was gonna he was gonna hurt Alfred. I didn't see that coming. Oh, I I was suspicious from the moment he showed up because it was suspicious. Like when he showed up in the first place with the rain and like the thunder, like that's the sign of like evilness coming. And like the last <laughs> time a the last time a stranger like showed up at Wayne Manor, it was a Lovecraft assassin, the Lovecraft assassin. And also, like, in, in all the previews for, like, this episode, like, Alfred's in a hospital clearly hurt. So we knew that that had to happen somehow. And I didn't think that Alfred, like, was taking a shower and then, like, did a dance slot. <laughs> Whoa! Onto, like, onto the floor. Like, <laughs> oh, no, he's in the hospital. Yeah, he fell in the shower. <laughs> that would have been so anticlimactic. 
I, I, I would love that actually. That'd be hilarious. Um, if Alfred wasn't like a canon character, and if um the preview hadn't shown him in the hospital, I would have I would have almost wondered if he was going to die when he was like bleeding out there on the floor. But I knew he was going to be in the hospital because of like stills and stuff from later. I'm wondering how the Wayne board thought that this was going to work because okay, if I'm this regiment guy and I'm hard up for money, and the Wayne board says. You know, we think that that this Bruce Wayne kid knows something, and you know, and he has legal stuff on us. We're gonna hire you to like, you know, stab or kill his butler and everything. Blah blah blah. I would go to like Alfred's house and then say, "All right, um, these people hired me to do something for you, but guess what? You were looking for something conclusive to like charge against them legally. Well, here I am. I'm a witness. You know, and then he gets his money anyway because Bruce Wayne and Alfred give it to him." So he doesn't have to do something bad, and he still gets his money, and then he gives Bruce and Alfred what they need against the board. Wouldn't that have been an easier solution? Yeah, but that, that, that would have that would not have provided the plot for the episode, though. I guess, and it, it's Gotham, and everyone's evil. Although he did seem to have some remorse at the end. Like, <laughs> That's exactly it. Yes, <laughs> he's just a kid. I don't trust people who can't spell the word citizen. Uh, that is a The Departed reference because he was in there and that was a huge plot point that actually pushed to the end of the uh, of the movie. Um, <laughs> so that's all I could think about was, oh no, he's with Jack Nicholson and he can't spell citizen and Leo's going to die. Um, of course I talked to the cops. I too was n- distrustful of this character when he showed up because people showing up out of the blue is never a good thing. I had a. I think the whole thing. A lot of it is really to develop Alfred's character because I feel like we've only gotten bits and pieces of it. It's really you know him helping to develop Bruce's character, uh, less than or more so than uh, Alfred's character being developed. So I, I think this was a, a big push to you know what was his time like outside of the the Wayne home. Um, the fact that he said, you know, all of these tragic things happened to him and it was the booze that did it. And then Alfred ends up giving him booze, enabling. I thought, what, 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 what's going on here? I mean, yeah. Did you not hear what he said? (laughs) No, the accent was too thick. How could anyone hear it? Bruce brought it up, but I mean, why didn't Alfred say maybe another time, lad, or something like that? Didn't he try to, but then like he gave up immediately. said, Alfred, I order you get drunk. It was a uh, it was a little strange at first. Then I wondered, is 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 Bruce going to drink this wine too? Um, <laughs> that was his plan all along. Yeah, um, maybe Beth from Walking Dead will have some because she oh. didn't she want wine in that one episode. It was moonshine. Moonshine, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they ended up drinking. It was also like looking at a you know kind of a bizarro Alfred um, because uh, y- you know he had he had a different accent. Uh, they were in the same. In the same uh, military uh, branch there, uh, but but this guy, his life went a, a totally different way. And then, of course, comparing his teaching style of Bruce uh, with with Alfred's teaching style, so very much like a an Alfred black and white situation. And and this is our our dark uh, character. Um, I yes, I I was a little shocked too. I thought I honestly thought, oh man, he's just going to steal a bunch of stuff and leave, and he's like a Selena Kyle. 
And uh, so when he walked in on him, you know, shuffling through things, I thought, well, that's about right. And uh, then when he stabbed him, I thought, oh, my goodness, why is he stabbing him? Is this a revenge killing? And then I was even more shocked when it connected back to the board and that they had this elaborate scheme. So, I, you know, you have to wonder why did the board go like, hey, we need to find a way to, to insinuate ourselves into the – the house let's go for this friend that alfred has not seen for 20 years didn't he say 20 something, something like that yeah yeah it was 10, a number. well he didn't I even mean, know that like his the guy's wife had died he's like she died 11 years ago yeah i i don't understand don't care. yeah there's see, <laughs> see, thank you um shrek uh it seems you know what you would be a good shrek um, i love see, the shrek movies yes okay. it so, seems like, at least the first two yeah, there would have been an easier way to do this, but I mean, he does get the job done. I feel like his story may not be done, uh, just because he did say, you know, Bruce is a good kid, so maybe he does come clean and, and help out. Uh, I would hate to think that, you know, we just bring this guy in, he does this damage, and he leaves. He eats, shoots, and leaves. Um, so so I hope something uh, turns out. But he does further, you know, the we find out a big thing about the, uh, about the, um, the board. If they send someone to kill um, Alfred or wound Alfred and like, and they're thinking about coming after Bruce, I don't want to say that this confirms that they killed Thomas and Martha Wayne, but it's uh, a big – Yeah, it, push it, in that direction. It's, yeah, a big push in that direction. Uh-huh. Well, I think that like um, – it could be like, like another like uh, Batman Earth 1 thing where they might be like having criminal activity in – uh, you know, Gotham City using the Wayne Enterprises money to fund crime, but they may not have like you know funded Joe Chill to assassin. I mean, they could have. I mean, the, the way that we saw it, it, it plays out like an assassination. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could be. I mean, it's, it's it's weird that like the entire board seems to be just drenched with the guilt. Like they were all like, you know, we want the money so bad that we have to kill Bruce Wayne for it. Because he's he's getting suspicious, but yeah, like like you said, everybody in Goth- everybody in Gotham is singularly evil, unless they, unless you know you're Jim Gordon. So uh, it was I I, I don't know I, I, I'm not sure why I was surprised that like he ended up stabbing Alfred, but it was such a it was such a cold thing to do that I guess it did fool me, and that's, that's I suppose it's a good thing, you know. Like uh, I didn't see it see it coming, but um, at the same time, like you know. Unless this show is completely off the rails, I don't think they'll kill off Alfred. So uh, it's hard for me to be totally worried for him. But I, I maybe this is Henry James Alfred. Come on, don't you? But like, I feel that like uh, I felt bad for Bruce because he he doesn't know he doesn't know he's going to be Batman. So like, he didn't know that like Alfred was going to you know pull through pull, pull through this, or he's not expecting him to. Yeah, the scene of the, the, I thought that the hospital scene was nice. It was, it was one of those things where, like, you know, they show up to say one thing and then that's, that's the end of the scene that carries an emotion. Like, he's all I have. And it's like a 10 second scene that, like, it's, it's emotional, but, like, I always picture the the actors, like, trying to drum up that, that much emotion for, like, such a brief sort of amount of time. It's weird how they shoot things like that. Maybe there's more on the cutting report that will be on the DVD. The actual main plot of the episode, which, you know, we're talking about last, uh, the Red Hood gang, which, uh, Oh yeah, it, it reminds me of like some of those some of those old stories about like everyone coveting something, you know, which was done in a more modern sense with Simpsons, like Three Men in a Comic Book. But Thou like, shalt not covet thy own neighbors. Yeah, like like greed tearing everyone apart. But it, it did, you know, show one of the like 
cornerstones of the Batman mythos, which is the whole criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. Because we've had this, like, uh, when the showrunner said that they were going to do, like, a few red herrings for Joker, at first I thought that, like, the guy who initially had the red hood, I thought, okay, maybe he's one of our Joker suspects, but then, like, he died. But before he died, I thought that, like, you know, he would have been a good, uh, you know, possible origin for Joker. Otherwise, you know, the plot was what it was. It was good to see Gordon and Bullock together again. It was not good to see Bullock, you know, once again, like, learn for the first time that, you know, Jim is dating. Um, well, no, let's, not, let's not mischaracterize. It's, uh, he's not like saying, hey, wait a minute. Are you guys dating? He's, he's, he's like saying, so tell me all about the sex. Or, or the he's talking about it, though, as if he's learning it for the first time. And, like, it's the same conver- – it's not exactly the same conversation, but it's almost the same conversation it's a variation on the same that thing. they have had, like, for the last five episodes. You know, like, he's like, you've traded in the purse for the nurse. Like, <laughs> why, are you, why are you saying that now when they've clearly been dating, you know, for, like, a while? <laughs> um, and, and, like, you've met her and she's working as the medical examiner. I don't know. There's more to it than that. But, you know, the um, I I thought that, like, the whole, like, trying to tie it into, like, bank greed thing at the end was a little weird. The whole, like, I did it because I applied for a loan for a bakery and they didn't give it to me. That is my villainous origin. But uh, 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 <laughs> but I, I did like the, the the first robbery and like and and some of the second one, but I felt like the plot kind of fizzled out. But otherwise, you know, it was okay. It was a slight kind of plot, but I kind of liked seeing it. It it, it, was, it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't overstay its welcome. I thought that like showing it briefly was pretty good. And um, I do kind of like the whole like you know, well, this mask is like you know, kind of like gives you kind of a power trip kind of thing because that's sort of a start of that kind of thing. And I think it's I think it works that the idea the Red Hood game would start here. So uh, you know, there's there was nothing egregious about it. So I, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the first guy. I, I too was looking at him through the Joker lens and and trying to figure out you know could this be him and and I think he certainly had the mannerisms down and the and the laugh and everything. And I liked how. You know, when the second guy took up the mask, he tried to be the first guy. You know, he, he was struggling to get He tried there. to get on the table. Yeah, <laughs> and was saying, you know, similar similar things and, and phrasings and everything as the, the first guy was. So that was interesting that he saw. And uh, the way the populace was influenced by the Red Hood uh, was, was also interesting um, to, to bring in the, the Robin Hood uh comparison that they were using through that and then yeah i mean they were certainly getting uh it's funny that just this one thing would you know just change characters so much and and you know then the the guys would feel like you know there is something special about this the one thing and I really want it, and near the end, because I liked, you know, sort of the invincibility aspect, except when it was coming from their own team members, but near the end, I thought, wait a minute, how is this guy not getting shot in this, you know, street fire from the cops? I thought, oh, no. Yeah. Please do not let him survive this. And then when he got shot, I thought, okay, that's about right. But, I mean, seriously, all of the people, all of his crew behind him is getting shot up and he's surviving it all. I just couldn't believe it. And then you have potentially, you know, a a Joker option number five. I don't even know how far we are on this, where he picks up the the mask, which... 
hello, why is it not tagged for evidence? And why, you know, why right. don't the cops have it in a bag? But let's just. How is no one noticing him, like pointing exactly. his finger like a gun with yeah, cops around? Bang, bang, bang. And then not running for him. Uh, but no, I thought it was an interesting take on it. I'm glad it was. Um, I'm glad it was this type of mask and not, you know, the plastic hood. Because I, I think this is a nice little slow evolution to what it will become. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this. And I, I liked seeing uh, Jim and Bullock back together. And I totally get what uh, you guys are saying about, you know, this conversation that basically is a variation on a theme and is almost like a Penguin saying, the city needs me, there's a war coming, which I heard in the promo, so I guess he's going to say it again. Um, it, it sounded like just a soundbite from like from oh, the first okay. time you said it. I thought, well, it's been a while, so I guess he's got to say it again. Um, I think part of it is, you know, they don't want uh, the showrunners don't want us to forget Leslie if she's not in the TV. So that's how they bring it up, <laughs> and then they sort of. Draw, I feel like that's what they're playing at. But it was really nice to, like I said at the beginning of this show five hours ago. It was really nice to see. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> It was really nice to see, you know, these two cop guys together again because I I, I think that this is my, uh, you know, I like this relationship, but, but, but obviously like shipping them in a friendly way, not in a romantic way. But I, I do like to see these two together, and so I'm, I'm glad that even though I do like Lee, I'm glad she wasn't there, but perhaps, yeah, it's not really necessary. I feel, I mean, does that, what in the world? Can't I just continue with my thought? Is it necessary for him to do this? Does this show, um, to do what? Lonely. Well, for him to keep asking, I mean, do you think he's lonely and like this, he's living vicariously through, um, Jim, or is this just an annoying way? Is know? he, is he still dating, uh, the pool girl? Well, I don't know if they ever were dating. I mean, Where'd they go? Yeah. Out, right? Yeah. But that hasn't happened. So it I went I to the deep end. Oh! I apologize. But can I say real quick that, like, going back to, like, you, you mentioned that guy at the very end, like, you know, he's like, okay, I give up. Actually, no. Like, he didn't seriously think that he was going to survive that, did he? He was. Yeah, so- he did. The power of the Red Hood. I think, yeah. I, I, I think he honestly believed in the power. It's like in Goldeneye. I am invincible. Oh, yeah. You know? like, yeah. And then everything explodes. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, the, the first guy did, like, get survived by that cop who couldn't shoot worth the darn. So, yeah. I, I, okay, okay, okay. Otherwise, I thought this guy was, like, you know, the, the writers just wrote a completely brain-dead character. Hey, one of the kids, the, the kid who I watch this with, he asked me, like, does the Red Hood become anyone? I said, well... He, the one of them becomes the Joker, and the other one um, was a dead Robin. And he's like, "Oh, uh, is is the dead Robin that becomes the Red Hood a good guy or a bad guy?" I say, "Well, sometimes he's a bad guy, sometimes he's a good guy." And then he said, "Why? Because he's mad at Batman for not saving him. Didn't Batman try to save him? Yes. So, and, <laughs> and that's why after the Under the Red Hood, a lot of those stories weren't very good." Alex, hey, 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 uh, gives it. A three out of five better rings. Next week on Gotham, episode 18, quote, or quote, the episode titled, Everyone Has a Cobblepot. What? While Gordon seeks information about the recent controversy with Commissioner Lube, Fish's allegiance with the prisoners is questioned when she appears to join forces with Dr. Dole Maker, guest star Colin Fior, the Bogoris 24. Mm. Uh, apparently he's attractive. 
Meanwhile, after an attack close to home, Bruce deals with the aftermath. And in all new, everyone has a Cobblepot episode of Gotham airing Monday, March 2nd. They don't mention Penguin at all. And I guess Harvey Dent's coming back. Yeah, I saw some preview images. Um, Harvey Dent's in there. And Penguin's, like, involved in, like, some mystery that Gordon and Bullock are doing. Where, like, they go to, like, a farmhouse or, like some house in the wilderness and there's some blonde girl there the the promo that they that i saw um at the end which i I didn't see if the online one was any different but it just looked like a bunch of clips cobbled from previous episodes like jim loading his gun in penguin's umbrella and like and you hear penguin doing the whole awards coming thing but it'll be good to see harvey dent again they should they should name him walking by like a whole wall full of question marks has he done that before is that like the cgi or something I don't know. Oh, Miss Kringle's coming back too, according to like the guest star list. So, oh, you know, maybe, maybe that storyline will go somewhere. <laughs> Are we hoping? Um, it, it's grown on me. I mean, I did, I never hated it. I thought it was getting repetitive, but you know, I'm I kind of dig Miss Kringle. Well, she's like, she has like like two emotions. She has like one and a half emotions. One is like you know awkwardly bothered, and the other one is like you know awkwardly sympathetic. No, I'm I'm just waiting for the the shoe to drop and uh, the mother to get killed off. Um, I, I don't know what it means. It does it mean? I mean, I think the title it, it has you know to do with something. And uh, I feel like everyone having a cobble pot perhaps is talking about how often he has switched sides and that practically everyone has had a cobble pot at one point, but now you know, oh man. With. Well, that's true, isn't it? Um, it just sounds so weird. Oh, well, I mean, you know, he was with Fish and then Mulroney, and now, you know, he's sticking with Falcone, so who knows? So join us next week as we figure out who else has a Cobblepot. Until then, this is Josh. Until then, this is Don. And until then, this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Cobblepot Chronicle Podcast. Um, there was an article in, like, like the local, like, Tampa neighborhood newspaper, and it said, like, at long last, like, people will be able to sleep at night because there will be no more, like, late-night train whistles. And I took a picture. I'll send you both the picture later. I was like, we're going to have to figure out something else for our bloopers now. Don. Yo. Before I go to the post office tomorrow, is there anything that you need to tell Stella and I? What the hell is this? What? Uh... I love you? I don't know. Do you know something about this package disappearing that neither of us know? I have no idea what you guys are talking about. This, this is one of those, like, like, like Stell Tony things that, like, I'm, I'm not going to know. Alright, now tell me again without the lie. <laughs> what is this? The end of the restless? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> What's fun? What you don't know behind the curtain is that he's blamed you on at least three personal events in my life in the past week. The first one was the package. The second one was my knee. Like I sent him the picture, and he said, "Did Don do that?" And then there was something else. And I'm like, "When did Don turn into the enemy?" I told him that no Barbara did, and then uh, what was your response, Josh?
Josh is saying. It somehow turned into like you said that like you took her liquor or something or no, like. You asked, did you take her liquor? And I said, no, I took her girl. And then said, ah, dig it. Yeah. Stella took Barbara King's woman. As if Barbara King could like lift a finger to attack. Yeah, or, or dad's like, you know, hi, son. Cookies. That's one of my earliest memories of your dad is him doing a Cookie Monster impression. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, that's back when I, like, regularly baked cookies. Uh, I don't know how to use the oven now, but, like, uh, we were recording Close Eye Chronicles, and, like, he is, like, coming down, like, like, and making Cookie Monster impressions. Like, I always spilled cookies, and, like, Josh was like, what the hell? I'm gonna eat this piece. Actually, hold on. Uh, <laughs> if I go to the summer room and eat, that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah, let, let, you guys start recording so I can, like, eat in the sun room and, uh, not take it up to my room. Okay. Hello, and you are... <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> That's something that happens to Dustin. <laughs> what, what happened? My dog. Uh, I, I, I heard a noise like as soon as I started. That's why. Yeah, it was Donovan. Like, I, yeah, like your your pizza box was like, and I'm in this show too. Woof woof woof. Uh, yeah. Go, I don't go, know go, why. Go. Why is the pizza box woofing? You, you yeah. You start right now, and I'll start talking, and making sure that like I'm not to be disturbed. Then I'll run up to and uh, I'll meet when I need to. All right. Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net, where every week... I almost started doing the Clone Saga Chronicles intro. Uh, um, With her nice cats. Oh, my. Her cats. What, what is that? They're, it's a type of shoe. Oh, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no fashion. Why, why did they give her those? Oh, yeah, because she's like the luckiest prisoner in the world. Because cast member. They're not okay. expensive shoes. Right, I, I don't know. I don't know shoes. I'm a, I'm a heterosexual man. Oh, that's... We just lost half of our audience. What, what do you mean? <laughs> half of them are heterosexual men. Yeah, like, I didn't say anything negative about, you know, men who... Prefer, I, I just mentioned, you know, stare, like, most heterosexual men aren't obsessed with shoes. If they are, you know, good on them. That's not me. If you're a heterosexual man or interested in shoes, I'm looking at you, Dustin. Please write into the... <laughs> <laughs> Dustin's like... Dead with Dustin's at Foot Locker right now, like, oh, yes, <laughs> I like these shoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> these shoes are great. Maybe he goes to Legends and gets the... Uh, or Journeys, I mean, and gets the Batman stuff. Maybe he has, like, like the, uh, the, the, like, the shoes with the toes and then, like, John Thomas Jane. <gasps> oh. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Bring it back. Oh wow! Well, I was about to say, Stella had all but we had all but completely forgotten about the Hobbit, but now it's pretty true. That is okay. Accurate. It's coming back. It's Bring okay. Bring it back. Bring it back it's... in, please. Stella, you go first. I'm, I'm showing you something. Oh, okay. Is what it fish's eye? Yeah, I know that's what I'm about to say. <laughs> nom nom nom. Um. The last thing that fish saw before everything fades to black was Don's uvula. Do you know uvula means looking great in Latin? What? Uh-huh. Wait, wait, didn't we have this conversation on the previous episode? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I didn't mention in the recap the penguin thing, but we can talk about that when we get to the episode, too. Oh, someone's calling Don. <gasps> it's the mom. 
She's looking for Victor. I bet she's actually looking for your phone number again. Victor's ass. Why would her, his mom look for Victor's ass? I don't know. Maybe maybe she'll hire him to, like, do something. I don't know. I had a joke, but I thought it was a little mean, so I, I didn't finish it. Donovan's telling us to be quiet. Is he? I can't see the chat window. Is he really? Well, yeah, it said, hush, you fools. Or oh. quiet, you fools. Muted. Damn you, still. <laughs> you poor, poor man. Well, anyways, can okay. you continue with your... I, th- I think I should. I think okay. I should. Uh, obviously, the biggest... Um, obviously. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he says to his private secretary. That's <laughs> to you. Why would I have a private secretary? <laughs> why did Bill Clinton have a private secretary? We, we know why Bill Clinton had a private secretary. First, <laughs> first of all, his job was a lot more demanding than his <laughs> job. You know, because he was president of the United States. Second of all, uh, Bill Clinton's private secretaries had, um... Extracurricular uh, aspects of their positions. Extracurricular, you mean? Whoa! Maybe he asked, but maybe the about asked for All right. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh, you gotta keep all of that. that. That was Stella kind of went nuts for a second. <laughs> I Did you use okay. the term extracurricular? Sextra- Yes. <laughs> it all makes sense. I think that's one of the one of the names of like, of like the hentai titles I saw at Comic Con last year. Dawn, since you've been hiding under the table for a while, let's ask me. <laughs> <you first. laughs> Is it <laughs> table? <gasps> what? Did you just make a joke about Donovan giving oral pleasures to the right? <laughs> No. This is no. No, don't actually. Why would this is the girl who said like, and I have to bleep this out, but this is the girl who said that like, you know, the dirty joke frat boy nature face was too much for her. Like three years later, it's like Donovan and under a table. Am I right? I want to get anywhere near that. Okay. Uh, What was the question? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) For some reason, I was going off. I had a bob. Oh, I, I know. A lot of <laughs> fish in her eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The newspaper <laughs> lied. Ooh. There it is. <laughs> the newspaper lied to me. Again, again, again. I'm giving it a minute. Oh, my God. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a train. Some days, I wish you'd go away. Yeah. Uh, so that's... that's Under a table with... Never mind. Oh, my heavens. There's not enough room. (laughs) We're done? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so offended tonight. (laughs) I was worried that we'd all be tired. There's a war coming. Blood in the streets. I can see it. Don Maroney. Yeah, exactly. What a pleasure to see you here. That's Butch Gilvisian. He's loyal to Fish Mooney. 
I know. I do good work because I. If, I, if you go to his, his Twitter, there's like fan art between like Zaz and Penguin as though they're like best friends. Like, <laughs> since kindergarten. I don't know why.